Hello, and welcome to episode 214 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. A warm welcome to Patricia M. and Julie B. to the Modern Manager community. Membership comes with multiple forms of support to help you solve challenges and develop your skills as an effective manager. Learn more at themodernmanager.com slash join. And if you work for a government or nonprofit organization, you get 20% off of any membership level. Today's guest is Richard Newman. Richard is the founder of Body Talk. Over the past 22 years, his team has trained over 120,000 business leaders around the world to improve communication and impact, including one client who gained over $1 billion in new business in just over one year using the strategies that Richard teaches. Richard and I talk about the unspoken parts of communication, communicating effectively remotely, keeping people engaged in a meeting or presentation, and so much more. Now here's the conversation. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Thank you so much for joining me today, Richard. I am really excited to chat with you today about communication and all of the kind of unspoken, unseen stuff that happens when we are trying to communicate with others and have different styles and different skills and different, you know, all that stuff that comes with just each of us being our own person. Yeah, fantastic. Well, thank you for having me, Mamie. I'm really excited to talk to you today. So let's start just with some context about what communication really is and how we communicate. Because there's Verbal, nonverbal, like what you say and how you say it and all of that. So how do you think about the skills or the context of communication? Yeah, great question to start with. So, I mean, communication is really about human beings connecting with each other. Uh, And so it's not just about, you know, what you're putting out there in terms of your words, your tone of voice, your body language, but it's also your ability to receive back what's coming back in return. And I think it was Jim Carrey who once said, you know, communication is not necessarily continuously talking. It has to be a two-way uh, connection. And that two-way connection can happen as well if you're doing a speech or a presentation, you're talking on stage, doing some kind of big sales pitch where predominantly you're the main person speaking because there's still a two-way connection that can happen just based on on the nonverbal cues that you're reading from the people around you. So it is very much uh, going on a verbal and or nonverbal journey that you go on uh, together. And it's something that we do so well compared to other species. So uh, for example, it's Yuval Noah Harari who talked about in his book, Sapiens, and also in his TED talk that he did around this, he was saying that it's extraordinary to see how much better human beings are at communicating compared to other species. We are able to figure out a way of agreeing on how to do things like politics and currency and national borders and all this sort of thing at a scale of billions of us agreeing and working together on that, which no other species is able to do. And so it's this unique ability that we have as humans to communicate that has really set us apart as the dominant species on the planet. And so the the better that we can get at doing that, then the more able we are to get various things done. And as the saying goes, 
If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And if you're going to go far, it's not just going the same pace as everybody else. It's getting everybody aligned with what's happening and agreeing the direction you're going to go in. And so that's why communication is so important and so powerful. Oh, I love that. I love that concept and that quote. And I love this way, this idea that you started with that communication is inherently being in a relationship with someone else. It's a two-way street, even if you're presenting from a stage, even if you are the one doing the talking, that you are not in isolation. And, you know, it's it seems so obvious now that I'm I'm hearing it, but you know, I think about like when I'm talking, I always kind of assumed like, oh, nonverbal cues are like, how am I sitting with my own posture? And what's my tone of voice? And am I looking someone in the eye? But it's just as important for me to be reading the other person's nonverbal cues to be informing how I'm showing up. Like I'm, I can't just be thinking about myself. I have to be paying attention to the other person, even if I'm the one talking. Am I getting that right? Yeah, exactly right. And, and you know, this, this is something that I, I learned very early on where my first, uh, if you like, professional experience, even though it was unpaid, I was 18 years old and I was living in a Tibetan monastery where I was teaching English as a foreign language. And so what it meant was living for six months with monks in a, a little monastery in the foothills of the Himalayas. And when I was there, they didn't speak any English when I arrived. They could speak Tibetan, Nepali and Hindi. And I didn't realize this until I got there. And so when I arrived to be with them in the middle of nowhere, I suddenly realized there was no way of connecting through words. We didn't have a common language. So I had to find another way of connecting. And we sat down and they gave me a cup of Tibetan tea to sort of greet me. And I was sitting in their kitchen just thinking, how am I going to survive this for six months? I don't understand. But pretty soon, after about an hour, we realized we could understand each other through body language, through tone of voice, through facial expression. We were able to understand the basics of you know building some rapport building some understanding with each other and that took us then over the course of the next six months to the point where they could speak a good conversation in English I could speak a good conversation in Nepali which was the main language of the area I was in and so it just really struck me from that beginning moment how much we were gaining from each other how much we were reading and connecting with each other without the use of words and I've always been fascinated that I've, I've traveled all, all over the world and often been in situations where no, nobody around me speaks any English. And there's so much that we gauge from each other non-verbally, which is why, you know, it's been such a challenge for people being stuck working virtually for the last couple of years. There's many, many benefits we've had from that of less commuting time, more time with the family. But we have missed that sense of building up that sense of rapport. And rapport is sometimes described as non-verbally traveling together, reading the cues in the room, picking up the vibe of what's happening around you, and then moving towards a resolution at the end of a meeting. So yeah, it's, it's critical to be aware of all of those things. And that, uh, and also just to sort of finish on this point, is that uh, with communication, sometimes people might go into a meeting and say, I don't know what went wrong. My communication was fine, but it was what the other person did that was wrong. But, but actually, you've got to realize that communication is two way. If you come out and the meeting didn't go well, the communication didn't work. And you were part of that. You're not the whole thing, but you are part of that. So you've always got to recognize it is a two-way connection. Well, you know, my dad jokes and he will often say, I think we're in violent agreement when we are like 
we think we're saying the same thing, but we're saying it differently. And we keep arguing our same points over and over and make no progress, but just keep getting more and more frustrated. And, he's, and finally, it'll be like, I think we're in violent agreement. Are we actually saying the same thing? And usually that's yeah. our way of being like, yeah, we were just missing each other because for yeah. whatever reason, our streets were not crossing. They were running in parallel and we just kept, couldn't figure out how to get them to, to merge. Yeah, I, I think you're, you're so right with that. And, and sometimes we see this with people who uh, often we're coaching uh, leaders for handling objections, handling tough situations, handling conflict in, in a conversation, saying to them, sometimes you need to pull up to what we call the balcony view. So instead of being on street level and being you know, stuck in the details, pull yourself all the way up to a balcony, a few f stories up and look over on that situation. And often you see from this vantage point, Oh, hang on a second. We're talking about the same thing. Uh, and a little bit like, uh, you know, to use another metaphor on this, I'm sure many people have talked about this idea of, you know, being a group being blindfolded and asked to go and touch various parts of an elephant. And one of them says, well, it seems like a rope. And another one says, no, 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 I think it's a tree trunk. And they're all talking about the same thing. It's all an elephant, but they didn't realize it because they're too stuck on their little detail rather than pulling back and seeing the entire piece. So, uh, yeah, we often find that it's useful for people just to, pull away from the 1.7% that they're debating and realize that everybody's actually aiming for that same end target. And, uh, you know, it, it can be healthy to have passionate communication. Just be very aware of the big picture of where exactly you're aiming to get to. Yes, yes, yes. And I, I want to go back to the comment you made about the working virtually and what gets lost when we're trying to communicate verbally or non-verbally through the screen through tiny little boxes. Can you share more about what you're learning and noticing on how people need to communicate differently, if at all, or what we can be doing differently to ensure that we're we're picking up those signals or that we are conveying the the signals that we need to? Yes. Yeah. Great idea. So uh, let's go all the way back to the, the very basics of communication. So, you know, we've got this opportunity now where we don't even have to speak to somebody. We can communicate with people just by sending them a text or email. And let's just think about when that's useful or not. If you need to send someone specific data, it's a, it's straightforward to do that through an email. You can do it. If there's any kind of emotion involved, then you need to make sure that you can either hear the person's voice or see them virtually or be in person with them because everybody has received a text or email that they've taken in the wrong direction uh, and they, they've misunderstood what it, what it means. Somebody put something in caps just to make sure that you read that piece and you thought they were yelling at you because that's what it felt like when you read it. So, you know, if you want to communicate an idea through text, if you send specific data and information and dates or data points, then that, that's fine through text. Then when we pick it up and go further with that, I sometimes hear people say, oh, the, this idea speaks for itself. It doesn't. It never speaks for itself. You have to speak for the idea. So you have to think, well, if I'm speaking for the idea, let's say the person can hear my words and hear my tone of voice. What do I need to do then? Well, the object needs to be thinking about by the time the person finishes listening to me, how do I want them to feel about what I've said? What do I need them to be doing? When they leave this meeting, they leave this conversation, when they finish listening to this podcast, how do I want them to feel as a result? And so just giving people the correct words isn't enough because if you give them to someone on a, on a monotone versus giving it to them with a dynamic change of voice, change of pace, it translates very differently. 
And so you've got to be careful in your in your tone of voice of thinking, what is my direction? What's my intention? And it could be you want the person to feel disappointed. You might want them to feel concerned. You might want them to feel reassured. Uh, whatever you want them to feel, that then changes your voice so you can lead them in that direction. And it actually doesn't take people that much time to get training. I've, I've personally gone through many years of training as an actor, and uh, sometimes people go through training to do voiceovers and so on. But really, as human beings, we know, okay, if I need to reassure this person, if I have that intention, then I can head in that direction and I can start to achieve that. Then if we build in virtual communication, you then start to see, in some people's cases, all you can see is from their chin upwards because they haven't set up their camera correctly. So you can only see their face and you can't see anything else. So I would say just for virtual communication, a couple of quick tips everyone can use. As soon as you get in front of your camera, uh, your webcam, next time you're sitting at your desk, is just make sure for virtual communication that when you gesture, people can see your hands. If you can't see someone's hands, then you're missing a huge amount of the virtual communication. So if you look at the way that they frame newsreaders, broadcasters, any TV presenters you can look at, you can always see their gestures in the shot. And that's because it's so critical for conveying information, connecting, being engaging as a speaker. So you want to frame yourself such that people can see your head, your shoulders and your hands in the shot and therefore you're giving people a lot more information and then when you've got your body language there it's important too to think about the fact that your body language is not for you so sometimes people say okay well you know i want to use my body language to i want to fold my arms because i just i, I feel cold or i feel uncomfortable at the moment or you know i just want to scratch my head every two minutes because it feels nice but you have to remember your body language is not for you. Your body language is a language, so you have to use it in a way that's going to help others. So again, you come back to that question of how do I want them to feel and what can I do physically that would move uh, the conversation in that direction? And providing you're framing yourself well enough, then that's okay. Uh, one thing that, that has been a huge advantage with virtual communication is if you're speaking to a room of people, which you know anybody listening to the Modern Manager podcast might need to speak to a group of clients or suppliers or, or team members, is that when we were speaking in a, in a physical boardroom, then people could be maybe 10 meters away from you in the average size of a boardroom. Whereas now they're less than a meter away and you can see the nuances of their facial expressions. So it's really important as you're speaking on that sort of call, have the grid view up in front of you or whatever it's called on the platform you're using. So you can see as many people's faces as possible and just read what is happening there for them. So you're staying connected with them as you go through that meeting and you'll have their face much closer to you than you normally would do uh, in a boardroom. But then when you get finally, when you get to that uh, key position of being face to face, I would say anything critical still today, if you're legally allowed to, to go and be in person with that human so that you can sense their energy, they can sense yours as well. And so nothing gets lost in translation. So for the most important events, we still need to make a commitment to be there with somebody so that every part of the communication is, is there present and happening for them. Wow. I mean, that was so helpful to think through all the way from just simple written communications all the way through to when do we really need to be physically present in person if possible. Mm. And you know, I, I feel like there is an element, especially to the you know virtual communications when it comes to sitting in meetings and being on Zoom, where people are just tired. 
They're tired of staring at these little boxes. It's exhausting on our eyeballs. And so like we don't put on our, our best, <laughs> we don't put our best foot forward as listeners, right? We're multitasking and looking around. And I, I find that I'm looking at so many people in meetings now who aren't looking at the camera, who don't look focused and engaged. And it's hard to always know if that's because I'm not being engaging or I'm not communicating well or the meeting was the wrong meeting for them. Or it's just like we're all just so tired of staring at little boxes. Have you noticed this as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's this phrase that's come up called Zoom fatigue or, you know, Microsoft Teams fatigue, screen fatigue. There's so many people have talked about and uh, and mentioned about, you know, virtual meetings, getting to a place where nobody is listening. And it's a huge challenge for so many people, so many managers to keep people engaged. But then I say to them this, I say, is it true that there are some people on your team who complain about screen fatigue and at the end of a hard week, they, uh, they switch off their computer screens, close up their laptop, they head into the living room and they switch on Netflix and they're binge watching a TV show for the next four hours. So how is this screen fatigue? It's actually not screen fatigue. It's data fatigue. It's cognitive fatigue that people are going through. Uh, and so uh, what happens is that when we go into a virtual meeting, what we're really experiencing is death by PowerPoint that used to be in a boardroom is now happening on a laptop. And so we come out of that meeting having looked at all these spreadsheets and all these other tired faces, and we need two cups of coffee before we go into our next meeting for some more cognitive fatigue. So there's something that, that we can learn from Netflix or from Disney Plus or from where, wherever you get your, uh, your chosen TV and movies is the reason that we're compelled by them in a way that we're not compelled by day-to-day -day virtual meetings is that they have characters and stories. And so as a manager, there, there, I believe there's no greater skill you can work on than communication. And within communication right now, there's no greater skill you can work on than storytelling. And understanding that storytelling in business, it doesn't mean telling people anecdotes. It doesn't mean sort of coming up with some metaphor from a, a historical situation that happened that now lends itself to what's happening in your business. Storytelling is simply understanding how does the human brain want to receive information? That's it. That's what you need to get from, from storytelling. And so to, to, to use this in a really practical way, if you're on a call and you're noticing people are disengaging, it's because the survival mind doesn't believe there's anything at stake for that person in that situation. So the way that you pivot that is to, to set up at each meeting from a perspective of a story and what happens at the beginning of a story what do we get very quickly we get this is the context of the situation and this is the challenge this person is facing that's how a story starts and then very quickly we see okay this person in this story wants to achieve a much greater life far in the distance and when we get that set up in any kind of movie that happens within the first 15 minutes, if you do that same thing on a conversation with your team, then suddenly they are utterly compelled. They're with you the whole way. And so what you can do at the beginning of a meeting to set this up is to say, hey, everybody, just uh, to let you know, this is the context for why we're here in this meeting. Tick the box. You've, you've done the context. And then you can ask them. You can talk to, talk to them about their challenges and say, look, I understand that right now some of you may be concerned with this and this area could be a major challenge for you right now. And in fact, I'd love to hear from you. What is another challenge in this area that is so important to you that we could talk about right now? And suddenly eyes light up and people are tapping on the keyboard, wanting to get into the chat box and express themselves because they've just found out that their manager genuinely cares about what matters to them. And so you get to this point where right at the beginning, 
of a, uh, a meeting, people hear that you're listening to their challenges, their major concerns, and then you can express what's going to happen during that meeting, not by having an agenda slide, but instead by saying, what if it was possible that by the end of uh, our meeting today, we could achieve this? How does that sound for you? And then again, people get this emotional part of their brain lighting up. So survival and emotional saying, wow, you're going to help me overcome challenges and achieve this. That sounds amazing. I'm in. I'm listening. And then we take them on a journey. Uh, but the key piece for any manager to remember within that, when they're thinking about storytelling, the one big change that many people need to make is they often think to themselves as a manager, they should be the hero of the story. They should show up and say, hey, everyone, uh, I fixed this. I found out a new way to do this. We've got a new system that's coming in. I'm delivering this to you and well done me is sort of the underwritten uh, notion of that. But instead, if you actually want people to listen in, in a meeting, you need to understand that they are the hero, not you. They've got challenges. They've got goals. And if you understand what those are and you help them move away from some of their challenges towards some of their goals, they'll listen in every meeting, whether they can see you or not, whether you can see, see the body language or not. If you tap into the story that's in their mind, then suddenly you're able to lead them more effectively. Oh, I, this is so wonderful. And I mean, I love this idea of taking people on an arc and a journey. And it's it's similar to the types of things that I teach around effective meetings where you've got to tell people where you're headed. Otherwise, they're, they're going to have their own idea, exactly their own story in their head about where you're headed and which just cause all kinds of problems and frictions in a meeting. And I want to share another technique that I often use, which is using questions in the beginning in a different way around doing check-ins and asking people to share something they did over their weekend, right? Or share, like, you know, my favorite question is always, if I opened your refrigerator, what would surprise me inside? And <laughs> because people love talking about themselves, right? It's the same kind of concept that, like, gets people invested in the conversation and and starting to kind of be participating early on, which then even if we shift gears to talk about something totally unrelated than what's in the refrigerator, because now we're going to talk about this new project that we're working on, they're already in a happier, positive state of mind, and they've already contributed to the conversation, and they seem more ready for the conversation than if we just dive right into the topic and just kind of don't don't spend time together, you know, doing our little mood lift. Mm. So, so putting that aside, I want to shift for a second to talk about what happens when you know you you're you know a decent communicator or you are taking the skills and the the learns that you're listening here and like yeah I can do these things but what if you've got a team member who just they're the one who seems to really struggle with communicating you know maybe they're really long-winded and they can't put their thoughts together or you know they're really really quiet and they never want to speak up you know what are things that managers can do to help their team members who may not be the best communicators? Yeah, I mean, great question. And it, it really it really depends on that situation of what is the blocker for them because, I mean, there's so many uh, that people come to us with. But to, just to sort of uh, give a few thoughts there, often what we find with people is that uh, I'll get countless people coming through on courses saying, look, I'm just not a good communicator. And nothing that anyone can do or say is going to change that. And I always come to them with a complete belief of they can be 
a phenomenal communicator and I see that in them. And I think one of the greatest things that you can do as a manager, as a leader, is to see greatness in somebody else that they can't even see for themselves. And doing that is such an amazing gift because all of us can think about somebody in our life at some point who saw greatness in us that we didn't know we had, and they opened us up to far greater potential. And you know, in, in my life, this was uh, when I was sitting in, um, I was in a, a hairdressing salon getting my hair cut in London, uh, going back, what was this now, 22 years ago. And I was talking to my hairdresser about what I was interested in, and I was reading books on body language, and I'd studied acting, and I'd been teaching overseas. And he said, come and teach my hairdressers how to use body language with their clients. And I immediately thought, I'm not a hairdresser. I, I've never done that before. I don't know enough to teach them. I have no idea how to communicate with someone while you've got a pair of scissors in your hand and a mirror. Like I, I have no idea how to do that. But he saw this in me and gave me an opportunity to teach it. And he said, look, I'll give you a free haircut. Come, come and teach my hairdressers. And I did it and they loved it. And they loved it so much, they said, come back again. And then I ended up to the point where I was teaching people from across their hairdressing salon chain for about the next sort of 16 years to, in teaching the, the CEO, uh, sort of board members, leadership team, the, uh, the, the training team there, and then t teaching you know, clients all over the world. Because he believed in me, he saw something in me I didn't know that I had. So I'd say step one as a manager is believe in them bef before they believe in themselves. Genuinely see their greatness. And understand that when it comes to communication, oftentimes when someone is uh, speaking quietly, it can be because I, mean, I had a guy who had a very soft and gentle, withdrawn voice. And we, we were talking to him about this and coaching him in front of his colleagues. And he said, you know, uh, uh, 10 years ago, he'd had a boss who said, look, you're really aggressive. You're really imposing. So you just need to stop. And nothing had actually been mentioned about his voice, but he took that as meaning my voice is too loud. My, I have to make my voice sound timid. And uh, it, it could be in that situation that he just had a boss who potentially uh, didn't like the fact that this person was uh, successful and doing a good job and maybe therefore outshining him. No, nobody knows what the situation was, but nobody since then had said to him anything negative about his voice, but he'd had this quiet voice for 10 years. And then we got him to open up his voice. We went, in, went through various different exercises of getting him to, uh, to read famous speeches from, from well-known people from history, getting him to expand his voice through various sort of singing and acting techniques that we worked on. And this lovely, beautiful, powerful voice came through. And I said to people in the room, does anyone here feel intimidated by him? And everyone said categorically, no, we love that. He just sounds like it's him. It's really him coming through. So, so as a manager, it's worthwhile finding out, pinpointing, what is it for them exactly? Is it that they're just not expressing themselves? They're not gesturing very much. It could be that they've been told, oh, don't flap your arms around, you look dramatic. And that could have happened to them 10, 20, 30 years ago. And it's important to then get rid of that belief that's been holding them back. So it could be that piece. Now, sometimes people might say, oh, well, it's because they are introvert. Well, you know, I've got news for you on that one. I'm introvert. There's a spectrum between extrovert and introvert, and I am 99% introvert. 
And so it, it you know, to, to be a good communicator, that's not what that means. Uh, so introverts, uh, as people often know now, is that introverts recharge their batteries when they're feeling depleted, recharge themselves by spending time by themselves. So I do that. I put on my hoodie, I go to a uh, quiet room and just sit there by myself for a while and I recharge. Whereas my wife, who's extrovert, she goes and recharges by spending time with other people. So someone saying, oh, I'm introvert, therefore I can't communicate is not true. It could be just something else, a fear of doing it. So what you can do on a practical level is aim to pinpoint what it is. Let them know that you see their greatness and prove it by giving them an opportunity and just gradually building up the positive affirmation that they get of themselves as a communicator, which could be just setting up a meeting with them once a week where they need to come to you and they tell the story of what they've achieved that week in the space of 10 minutes and you say that was brilliant. Then just give them like a two minute opportunity at the next team meeting to say something, give them some support, some coaching before it and let them get positive recognition for that, building that skill set back up. Because most of the time what we find with people, it's not that they can't communicate. There is a mindset that's holding them back. And once you unpick what that piece is, it's so much easier for them to then expand their opportunity. And of course, they can go on training courses, you know, pieces that, that we run, many companies run on presentation skills, storytelling, voice projection, all these pieces. But you do need to make sure that the mindset is there and that they have your full support and belief as their leader uh, to expand in that in that situation. Well, Unfortunately, we have to start wrapping up. So, Richard, can you tell us where people can learn more about you and keep up with your work? Sure. Yeah. So if people want resources, uh, if you go to ukbodytalk.com, on there we have a resources page with videos, articles, audio recordings uh, on all sorts of subjects of communication. You can find me on LinkedIn, which is the main place I am on social media. So it's Richard Newman, Body Talk on LinkedIn. And if you want some fun stuff, then I'm also on Instagram at Richard Newman Speaks. Thank you so much for sharing all of these great tips for how we can communicate more effectively and how we can support our colleagues. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Richard is offering free access to his audiobook, You Were Born to Speak. Join Richard on his quest to overcome a crushing fear of public speaking and discover the secrets of successful communication. This guest bonus and dozens of others are available to members of the Modern Manager community at the Sprout level and above. To become a member, go to themodernmanager.com slash join. All the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. Find that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rockstar boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player, and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.